0: Thanks for listening to Middle-Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death and UFO. Wednesday, Thursday, bad bitches have bad days too. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, bounce back. How a bad bitch always do? All I really want to hear is it'll be okay.
1: Bounce back because a bad bitch can have bad days.
0: All I really want to hear is it'll be okay. Bounce back because a bad bitch can have bad days. Welcome to wage Mediocre. <laughs> I'm Cash. That's Joe. We're awesome. All I really want to do is hear it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, by uh,
1: that's a, that's a that's a song. It's a song. It's by Megan Thee Stallion. Yep,
0: Anxiety. But it's really, like, our life story because all we really want to do is hear it'll be okay. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Just tell us it'll it's be okay, It's okay to guys. have a bad day. Tell us it'll be okay. Bad bitches have Tell me bad it'll, bad be, day. Okay, it'll be okay, It'll
1: be okay! You're a bad bitch and you're having a bad day. I need to hear it sometimes. <laughs> I, I do, too. It'll be okay.
0: All right. Well, I'm glad it'll be okay. <laughs> Jason... Taylor, that's for you. Yep. Uh JT. You started this. JT. You, so everybody blame him because <laughs> I mean
1: we started it last week, but he, he, he really, encouraged yeah. us. Well that's if, all we need. We are
0: encourageable. <laughs> Is that what that word means? Yeah, if
1: one uh, no. We're scamps. Yeah, yeah. If one person like kinda says they like
0: something. If one person gives <laughs> the slightest hint of appreciation, <laughs> we are all over it. We'll yeah. live yep. for, for in that appreciation for years under it. We don't need much. We just need a little <laughs> tiny piece, a little
1: bit. Just tell us it'll be okay. Just A
0: little bit, a little bit, a little bit. This is middle aged meaty ochre. We are back, mediocre meaty ochre. Yeah, we
1: decided to cha- I decided. change. I decided. Oh, we're not. Just
0: too much to goes into changing right. things again. We've changed so many. In times. my heart,
1: we're always going to be middle aged and meaty ochre. We are the
0: beef inspectors. <laughs> we that are the it beef inspectors. Yep. We are uh, the GBX.
1: We almost stopped at a beef stand today, almost. But we, I mean, we're on a tight schedule right now. Unfortunately, we had so. to go buy VHS and magnets.
0: So that guy selling meat outside the <laughs> d- the truck with the uh, the auto, auto parts. yeah, the
1: auto parts store between the auto parts store and the Dollar Tree.
0: Yeah. there's a guy selling meat, and I don't think he. Probably had passed inspection. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know if we would have given him a pass. I inspected
1: him from the cars we drove by. and I yeah. could already tell. And
0: I was like, mm, I'm feeling yeah. a D. Yeah. So it was yours. <laughs> You're usually feeling a D. Then we saw a lovely couple uh, uh, we about did. to bone down.
1: <laughs> <Is that> the- <laughs> Store In the parking, parking lot, lot of
0: the tobacco store so, <laughs> young love between is the taco bell and the tobacco store seven streets wild y'all. yeah that's where i live man yeah, you, you can my, see that's my hood it's like driving through a zoo just <laughs> look over there Look over there. Oh, you never yeah. know what's going to happen. Somebody <laughs> no. might charge you. See,
1: if we would have stopped to inspect that beef, we would have missed that shit in the tobacco well, store.
0: Or we would have caught up just <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> for yeah insertion. <laughs> <laughs> the dude looked like Kyle oh. Kinane. He had like that big bald spot on his head. Yeah, see, he was still cool. trying. <laughs> yeah. He just refused well, to I give th- in. I
1: just don't think he has the means to shave
0: <laughs> it. I don't think he's trying. He's got a probably... Just, there's broken glass everywhere. <laughs> Perfect class. He's got the means. Oh man. But uh so anywho <laughs> what, uh, else? what else? What else what so else? today's story uh just wanna give a uh a warning up front. Okay. Um we will be there's a part in the story where we discuss I'm gonna be discussing how the how the murders happened. Okay. Uh and it involves uh kids being oh. murdered. Oh and it is fucking sad. And uh awful. so maybe when you
1: get to that part, we'll take another second to stop and be like, "Here's we're maybe yeah, yeah, we can yeah, fast yeah. forward it." Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll okay. uh, give
0: you another he- a heads up, but I just did want to like alert everybody. It's yeah. gonna be like we're all we're all here for the funds, yeah, for the funny, the uh-huh. funnies and the jokes, Uh but we also got a, a story about some murders. And it does get a little brutal, a little All intense. Right. But this is, a, we haven't done one of these in a while. It's a cult episode. All right. cult a Ghost. So it's been a while since we've been around cults. Been a while. <laughs> <laughs> but we're dipping our toes back in. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get to the story in a minute, though. First, uh, I did want to update real quick on our, uh, from our last episode where we discussed our, my new friend that I met on Twitter. Oh, shit! Not a lot to update. I think I... Okay. I think I scared him away. Oh. Uh, Story of my life. Yeah, you
1: gotta. You can't expose all of yourself at once. You have to, like, give a little bit and a little bit more. So,
0: there's not a lot to follow, but let me just give you a little bit of the update here. He did reply, um... Did like, you send him a link? No. Oh, okay. No, I didn't want him to think that, you know, <laughs> he had any... Yeah. I didn't want to give him the satisfaction. I hear you, I hear you. Uh... Let me find it real quick, So if I would have been a professional, I would have had this ready to go. Oh, but, yeah. But that's not me, and it never yeah. will be me. No. Um, why don't you entertain us, Joe, while I find it? You're still a... What am I
1: doing while you find it? I found it.
0: Okay! <laughs> so- <laughs> Nailed it! That's why you keep me around! <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I had replied with the, uh, you know, fuck you, f- kissy face, after uh, thanking him for giving me a laugh at calling me a moon face. Oh, yeah, yeah, you kind uh, <laughs> And then he replied with, uh... Uh, it didn't happen. You made it up for attention because Jake has got his shit in order, and you're a pathetic failure. Failure who needs who feels the need to attack an old man. Now, okay.
1: Did you tell him that I was there?
0: I mean, you know, <laughs> I will attack an old man. <laughs> They got fists, but no. Then they I, got fists. I replied. Back, a lot of them
1: can't undo their fists. That's right. From all yeah. So
0: to me, they always look like they're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I just replied real quick with, uh, "You're right." I wanted attention so badly that I tagged Jake, AEW, WWE, and multiple wrestling news sites. Oh wait, I didn't do that at all. Jake had his shit in order when this happened too. You seem sad though. If you need a friend, just say so. <laughs> Never got back to me. That was uh, the end of it. So
1: yeah, you unzipped him. He
0: has changed his name. He's now Jonesy. Formerly underwater. Uh,
1: what game is that from?
0: I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, so I lost a friend. I thought I was gonna uh, I thought yeah. I was gonna make one. I really did hope he would it like it. started
1: rough. I mean that's that's on him.
0: I would have loved it if I would have got like a DM from him and, yeah. like, I I just do need a friend.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got kicked out of the whatever he the got 12, kicked out. Twelve twelve four eight, yeah. know, whatever the hell it is. He <laughs> <You laughs> was some producer for you the old you, you guys got something? room in the G B X? Yeah.
0: No. No, you're not a good boy. <laughs> you got to prove yourself. <laughs> you got you to prove your goodness, boy. Actions over words, son. So yeah, we don't have a new. We don't have a new member of the podcast. I thought Damn. maybe we would. Lost another one, Joel. Yep, lost another one. Hey, you still got me. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, come back, come back. <laughs> Where <are> you going? <laughs> so uh, we just got back from another trip to the old uh, Peddler's Junction. Yeah, flea marking, marking, flea marketing. too much shit.
1: Yeah. I think I was under twenty.
0: Yeah, you did good this time. You got thank you. You now you got me addicted to VHS tapes again. But uh, what else? I had the comedy show go the other night. Hey, it was it was comedy. This baby. was the one that had uh, Rob, Rob Ward, Nikki,
1: Ryan. Uh, yeah, it was thirty three minutes. It was packed house, loud ass bar. Yeah, you know, tried to try to get them to shut up, but that was tough. Yeah. So because that's the feature too I don't want to get the crowd too hostile yeah or half the crowd the loud crowd you know like I tried a couple times and I was like fuck them just plowed through
0: them see I, I I like doing that though because remember when we did the show at Beckley in front of the uh, biker gang oh yeah that didn't plan on being there. <laughs> yeah, that rolled
1: up five minutes before showtime.
0: Since I knew that we were leaving right after my set. <laughs> I was like, I'm rolling these fuckers up. Uh, you got a show coming up. Uh, so you got a couple coming up here. March 18th.
1: Yeah. At Gators. March 18th at Gators and the 25th at Smoot. And me and Nikki are going to Wiley's tomorrow, so okay. This by the time this comes out, we'll be out probably on the road in
0: Dayton, in Dayton, Ohio. Now, are you doing? It's an open mic, or yeah, it, it's, okay. an,
1: it's an open mic, but you know, it'll be like six minutes, I think, is what we get, and they'll be on Wiley's. Do they and, do the
0: thing? Is it like every open mic where they pick somebody to? Because that was what Nikki was doing that one night when I took her. It was like somebody got picked. Oh, uh, bucket list. I don't know. Normally
1: you have to be, Wiley's is tough to get on, especially being an out-of-towner. That's what I think this was. I think this was like a
0: contest or something. Oh, okay. The show that she went
1: to? Might have
0: been. They do. do But this is just like an open mic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't do a contest again, I don't think. But so that's tomorrow night in Dayton, Ohio. You got uh, the St. Patrick's Day Comedy Show, March 18th, Gators Pub Marietta. And then March 25th, Comedy Night, presented by the Parkersburg Homecoming. And I got to be clean for that show. Yeah, you got to tell clean jokes. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> Just get a <them> ball out. <laughs> nah, I'll be all right. Yeah, it's not like you're. you're the dirtiest comic yeah. out there. No. But uh, you got anything else going on, man? Nope. No. Nope. Nothing. Do else? I? You asked me, like you know, somebody should be. Pr- right. Nope. I thought maybe you did. Nope. All right, then we'll get into the story. Yeah, let's get uh, it. Because this is a uh, this is a bit of one. All right. So. We are going to talk today about the Kirtland cult killings. This one takes place uh, really right up the road uh, in Ohio, not too far from us. Uh, But this is going to go back to, we're going to visit the 80s and the early 90s on this one. 19? Yeah. 80s and 90s? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, on January 3rd, 1990, the chief of police in Kirtland, Ohio, uh, was relayed a tip from the ATF, that is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms that they had received days earlier that stated a family had gone missing and that there just so happened to be some bodies buried inside a barn found on some farmland in Kirtland, Ohio. The police go out there to check on the tip, or checking on the tip, and they find the residence uh, that seemed to be re- uh, recently abandoned by someone who was in a hurry to get out of there. The police do a search of the barn, find what appears to be a family's personal and belongings, including drawings and a notebook, That seemed to have been done by children. The Kirtland police department reached out to the Lake County Sheriff's office and requested assistance with processing the crime scene as they decided to excavate the ground in the barn and the surrounding area. Uh, The crime lab, uh, the Lake County Sheriff's office crime lab was also requested to assist with processing the crime scene. Once they began digging, uh, the first body was found about four feet deep in the rear portion of the barn's lower level. Once the first body was discovered, they stopped to obtain search warrants for the rest of the property. Once the warrant was issued, digging resumed the following day, and a total of four more bodies were found in the same burial pit.
1: So five altogether?
0: And three of the five uh, were the corpses of children. So the person who had provided the original tip to the ATF had stated that there would be five bodies, uh, and they had stated that all five would be from the same family. The bodies had been buried with rocks covering them, and then someone had backfilled the pit with clay, garbage, and dirt. The bodies were badly decomposed upon discovery. Going off of the information received from the original tip, though, uh, which had provided identification of who the bodies would belong to, authorities were able to quickly confirm the identities of the bodies as those of the Avery family. Dennis was 48. His wife, Cheryl, was 41. uh, And their three daughters, Trina, age 15, Rebecca, 13, and Karen, 7. Each victim had been found, uh, executed with a 45-caliber handgun, and dumped in the pit. Or each victim had been bound. I'm sorry. Executed with a 45-caliber handgun and then dumped in the pit that had been dug inside the building, inside the barn. Autopsies revealed that Dennis had been shot twice in the chest. Uh, Cheryl was shot three times in the chest. Damn. Trina was shot in the head and chest. Rebecca once in the back and once in on her left side and Karen had been shot once in the head and once in the chest. Uh, Duct tape had been wrapped around their heads, hands, and feet. A weapon was not found with the bodies. So while investigating the murder of the Avery family, law enforcement spoke to a lot of individuals and repeatedly heard the name Jeffrey Lundgren as the person who was at the center of these killings. Now, Jeffrey Lundgren, Lundgren was born on May 3rd, 1950, in Independence, Missouri, and he grew up as a member of the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the RLDS Church. According to Lundgren, as well as some of his former neighbors, he was severely abused as a child, uh, particularly by his father. Lundgren was, by most accounts, a loner when he was in middle when he was in middle and high school. Uh, he wasn't a great student; uh, got pretty bad grades. He became an expert hunter when he began to spend time with his father as a teenager. Uh, and gained quite a bit of knowledge in the use and maintenance of firearms. Lundgren enrolled at Central Missouri State University and spent some time at a house that was specially built for RILDS youth. Uh, while at the house, he became friends with Alice Keeler and Keith Johnson. Alice, who had also been abused by her father, quickly bonded with Lundgren and the couple married in 1970. On December 2nd, 1970, the couple's first child, a boy, uh, Named Damon was born by 1974. Keeler was pregnant for the second time. Lundgren enlisted in the United States Navy the same year as his marriage. Uh, Prior to receiving an honorable discharge at the end of his first term of duty, he sought an early release, arguing that his presence was necessary for the sustenance of his family. He was denied an early release for reasons that were non necessary, according to military recommendations. Just fuck your family, exactly (laughs) what they said. Uh, You didn't sign the contract, they got you. Lundgren received an honorable. honorable signing contracts. Never. He signed a, or he received an honorable discharge sign days left. before his four year enlistment was completed, and his second son was born soon afterwards. Uh, Lundgren and his new family settled in San Diego, California oh. after his discharge, but economic problems forced the Lundgren's to move back to Missouri. In, and in 1979, Keeler gave birth to a third child, this time a daughter.
1: That's the year I was born.
0: 79? Yeah. So, be, were you that daughter? Mm-hmm. No. Nope. People close to the f- couple claimed that Lundgren seemed frustrated by the family's money problems and generally generally was just tired of his wife. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> he allegedly became abusive after the birth of his daughter. Uh, according to hospital records, Keeler was hospitalized for a ruptured spleen, oh. which may have been caused by Lundgren pushing her into a closet door handle. Hope in 1980, him into fucking- the couple had their fourth child, another oh, boy.
1: Excellent. Yeah.
0: Just keep spitting them out. Yep. Or I guess they weren't. No spit. Anyways, at some <coughs> point, the family moved once again, and while Lundgren was living in a church-owned home in Kirtland, Ohio, he volunteered as a tour guide at the RLDS Church's historic Kirtland Temple right next door. Uh, members of the RLDS began to look up to and admire Lundgren due to his ability to rapidly quote scripture. It was like every word of it was just burned into his brain. Uh, he didn't always get it right, though, but he could yeah. like, just, whatever it was, he could just pretty much spit it out. Uh, Lundgren did more than just provide tours, though. That's really cool. It's pretty cool. (laughs) He was also, he's awesome at parties. Yeah. He was also incredibly good at recruiting members into the church and would often travel back to his hometown. Come on. Come on. Come on. on!" You know you want to.
1: What else are you doing today?
0: Uh, He would go back to his hometown of Missouri and recruit members from the church there. Uh, He had an almost mutant-like ability to sniff out vulnerable people who who he could recruit to the Kirtland Temple. Uh, He would tell them all about how loving and welcoming the community was. And he got many of these vulnerable people to move to Kirtland, Ohio, and join the temple. As a tour guide, he was supposed to be providing information about the history of the church, its beliefs, what it had to offer, all of that. But instead, he was going off script and setting the building blocks of his own idea and beliefs into their foundation. Uh, He told people that he had a gift and could determine what was true in the Bible and what wasn't. He would speak about the connection he had with God. He stated that he had a special method that allowed him to interpret Scripture differently than everyone else. He claimed that he was able to find, within the Bible, texts that had reoccurring patterns and contained messages, and that only he could see these messages. What <laughs> are the chances? <laughs> yeah. His other claims included having the ability to predict future events, the ability to trigger natural events. Oh. That's a hard one to like prove, though. Like, if somebody guess. called him on it.
1: Like, All right, I, do it right now. I made it rain last night, though. <laughs> oh. I
0: can't do it right now.
1: <laughs> i got to, like, concentrate for a while. I did it last night. Yeah. That was me. Like, right now, I can make it not rain. Look at it.
0: Look at that. Look, no rain. Not not rain. No rain. You feel a drop? Ah, Sorry, <laughs> rain. That's, that's what I wanted. Uh, he also convinced people that he had been present when Jesus Jesus was crucified because he was able to transcend time and space. Oh. So he just went over... Where went wherever he wanted. And he's still in Kirtland, Ohio. Yeah. Wow. yeah. In 1980. Yeah. Uh, and he also said that he had experienced multiple visions that showed him his mission on Earth. Sometime in November of 1987, uh, Lundgren was asked to leave the Kirtland House uh, and was defrocked as a lay minister for teachings counter to the RLDS and was fired from his job as a tour guide at Kirtland Temple for stealing anywhere from 25000 to $40,000 <laughs> in temple funds. Wow. Uh, the day that Lundgren was excommunicated from the RLDS church, there was a thunderstorm at the south end of Kirtland. When the sun emerged, a large rainbow appeared to the east. Lundgren told his followers that the rainbow signified the opening of the seven seals. Ooh. I uh, did that. That was me. After leaving the temple, Jeffrey Lundgren, his family, and some of the members of the RDLS who had become followers of Lundgren moved into a rented farmhouse uh, at 8671 Euclid Chardon Road. There, Lundgren began reorganizing or organizing his followers into a paramilitary religious cult. Uh, Over the years, Lundgren had pretty much been building this following. He'd been recruiting people. Uh, Some of his followers had known Lundgren in Missouri, while others were drawn to Lundgren at the Kirtland Temple. Some followers started to move into his new home. Uh, Lundgren began to offer Bible study sessions at his home. There, he would dominate the sessions, intimidate anyone who did not agree with his interpretations of Scripture, and later encourage others to intimidate those who disagree as well. Lundgren sought to convince his sect that he was God's last prophet. Uh so while they were living while he was a tour guide and lay minister at the temple, him and his family were living rent free. They mm-hmm. just got that place. Uh after he'd been kicked out though, uh and moved into the farmhouse, they needed money and he wasn't really much of like a I'm gonna go work kinda of guy. <laughs> not really a nine to fiver. <laughs> not not for not for him. Uh so instead he had all of his followers uh who did go out and work during the day they had to give him their paychecks
1: that's fair yeah so
0: they would go work all day come home and then they would have to like go to this guy's come back to the farmhouse yeah and he would just preach for hours so it's like after i work eight hours i just want to like chill and (laughs) now this guy's gonna fucking sit here and read the bible to me um but he said that you know he needed their money because it was going to go to support of the church and its mission so aside from whatever cult leader Charisma Lundgren might have had...
1: I'm like, what about that $25,000 you stole?
0: <laughs> look, look, God wanted me to have that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like, so aside from whatever Charisma he might have had and his, you know, ability to recite Bible scripture, uh, one of the leading factors that contributed to people leaving the temple and joining Lundgren was that they felt that the RLDS, the Reorganized Latter-day Saints Church, wasn't conservative enough. Uh, Because in the uh, RLDS, uh, they're Mm -hmm. LGBTQ-friendly, and they allow women to become church leaders. And the assholes who could easily be persuaded by some dickhead spouting out Bible scripture uh, and claiming to have superpowers, uh, those people were just not down with women being seen as equal (laughs) to men in any way whatsoever, and they damn sure were not going to approve of people having free will and choosing who they love. Even though I think... One of the big things is that we get free will. Yeah. If you believe in that thing. So, weird that you only get free will for certain things. Yeah. Super weird. For what they want. Um, Crazies. So, while Lundgren was living at the farmhouse, he began to practice methods which were consistent with Robert Lifton's criteria for mind control. Uh, For example, cult members were forbidden to talk amongst themselves. Oh. Doing so was a sin called murmuring. Uh, Lundgren would eavesdrops on eavesdrop on cult members to cause them to believe that he could read their minds as well. So, uh, not to get too far off track with this, but Robert Lifton, the guy that he kind of, um, he was consistent with his criteria for my control. So, uh, his work is a little bit fascinating to me. So he was an American psychiatrist and author, uh, chiefly known for his studies of the psychological causes and effects of wars and political violence, uh, and for his thought of his theory of thought reform. Uh, he, he and a group of others in his field got together and formed the Wellfleet Psychohistory Group, which focused mainly on psychological motivations for war, terrorism, and genocide. Money. Uh, so beginning in 1953, he interviewed American servicemen who had been prisoners of war during the Korean War, uh, in addition to priests and students or teachers who had been held in prison in China after 1951, uh, in addition to interviews with 25 Americans and U- Europeans, Lifton interviewed 15 Chinese who had fled after being subjected to indoctrination in Chinese universities. So he released a book in 1961, uh, titled thought reform and the psychology of totalism, uh, a study of brainwashing in China, which was a study of coercive techniques used in the people's Republic of China. So really, uh, the totalism thing, uh, in Lifton's opinion, uh, the term for the characteristics of ideological movements and organizations that desire total control over human behavior and thought was totalism. Uh, in his opinion, those such attempts always fail. They, this is like kind of, I was reading this part and it stood out to me as, uh, how the war, like something that we, if we, if we could just get to like, it could fix some things, but like the world would never yeah. do it. But I see it in America, uh, like as a Something we need to embrace. So uh, he says those such attempts always fail. They follow a common pattern and cause predictable types of psychological damage in individuals and societies. He finds two common motives in totalistic movements: uh, the fear and denial of death channeled into violence against scapegoat groups that set up to represent a metaphorical threat to survival, and reactionary fear of social change. In his later work, uh, Lifton has focused on defining the type of change to which totalism is opposed for which he can coined the term the protean protea self. Uh, in the book of the same title, he states that the development of a fluid and many-sided personality is a positive trend in modern societies. He said that mental health now requires continuous ex- exploration and personal experiment, which requires the growth of a purely relativist, relativist society that is willing to discard and diminish previously established cultures and traditions. That yeah. was the part that kind of stood out to me. Yeah. Like, we are just so... Every generation is so unwilling... To, uh, like, less, weaken their fucking stranglehold on their old cultures and traditions, yeah. What uh, they
1: think is right and how things should be done. So,
0: like, we're definitely living in this, like, totalist fucking mindset now where everybody just can't see that culture changes and people change. Uh, anyways, didn't really, that was just kind of a side tangent. <laughs> uh so anyways the police were uh very familiar with Jeffrey Lundgren. Like everybody kept the, they interviewed, kept saying like he was the one that need to look into. They knew who he was. Yeah. Uh and uh, we'll take a break and then we'll get into how they knew who Jeffrey Lundgren was and uh what Jeffrey Lundgren did. <laughs> and we are back. So, uh, like I was saying, the police were very familiar with Jeffrey Lundgren. On April 23rd, 1988, a neighbor told Kirtland police officer Ron Andalesk, or Andelsek, whichever way you like it, that she suspected that a cult was living at the farmhouse and that Lundgren's son warned the neighbor's children that the earth would open up and demons would emerge on May 15th. Oh. Lundgren had begun predicting the return of Jesus Christ and the destruction of everything on Earth except for his temple and his followers. That's good for them. How great is that for them? Good news. Good Damn. news, everybody. Um, they should go by. Why Latter-day's. would they want to be left
1: after all that? He
0: uh, he promised his followers that he would take them to Zion, uh, Williamson, I think. Yeah. Uh, where they would good wish- one. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> where they would witness the return of Stick Christ. to the facts, though. <laughs> that might have been the fact. <laughs> In 1990?
1: Uh, I don't even think Zion was guy born. This guy's traveling space in Oh, mind, that's dude. right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So he knew. Man, what if he knew about us? If only he
0: would have told Zion, like, hey, try to stay healthy. Yeah. <laughs> don't wear Nikes. Don't wear Nikes. Reportedly, uh, he was always dressed in army fatigues and always had a gun on him at all times.
1: Like someone was pointing one at him?
0: Yes. Wow. Uh, he told his followers that God had chose him to lead a re- revolution and to take over the uh, temple, the one that the Kirtland Temple, by force to begin the end of everything. He told his followers that they had to recapture the temple, uh, then an earthquake would elevate it, uh, and then Jesus would return to Earth and establish Zion. This plan also involved burglarizing uh, adjacent church homes and committing murder as part of the takeover. He called the land around the temple the Vineyards. Killing for God. Killing for God. Okay. Uh, you're sorting them out before God has to. Yeah, Okay. Uh, he called the land around the temple the Vineyards, which had to be redeemed or cleansed for him and his followers to take the temple. Uh, so all of his male followers began undergoing paramilitary training to prepare for the assault. May 3rd, 1988, would be the day of the assault on the temple uh, and it just so happens that May 3rd was his birthday. Oh. Because everything.
1: He's a little egotistical. It's got to be about old Jeffrey. Yeah, it's a little egotistical.
0: Uh, and the takeover would have in- involved targeting specific members of the RLDS for extermination. And that must be the five bodies. Like, I'm wondering you. if there are people that, you know, Jeffrey didn't like and God happened to pick them. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's weird. So, uh, Kevin Curry. A follower of Lundgren, who had became tired of his bullshit, uh, left the cult and moved to Buffalo, New York in 1988. On uh, tw- April 28, 1988, Kevin informed the FBI of Lundgren's plan to assault a temple. The FBI relayed this to local law enforcement. Uh, but Kirtland's police chief, Dennis T. Yarborough, did not believe the informant's information. <laughs> but he was like, I'll talk to him. So he pulled Lundgren into the police station May 2nd, 1988. Uh, and swob- Two days
1: before his birthday, right? May 4th? day, mm-hmm. day before. Okay. May 3rd. Was, May 3rd. Uh,
0: I'm so <laughs> stupid! And he was like, you know, hey, this dude said this. Uh, <laughs> There's really no details about the discussion, uh, but Lundgren was let go. You know, no harm, no foul. Yeah. So when Lundgren left, Yarborough said that he neutralized the situation. By warning Lundgren that there were complaints about gunfire on his property, he needed to knock it off. Yeah. Uh, and Lundgren was Don't like, make me come up there. Like, no problem, chief. So Lundgren went back to his followers and caught off the temple takeover uh, because he had purportedly spoken to a higher power. Oh. And was told that it had to take place later. So, apparently, uh, his phone rang, and it was Jesus, <coughs> and Jesus was like, Jeff, um, <laughs> yeah, May 3rd, it's not going to work for me anymore, Happy birthday, but... I, uh, yeah, happy B-Day. You just take the day for you, Jeff. I totally forgot about this other thing I had to go do. <laughs> uh, so, long, not long after the police had spoke with Lundgren, and he had announced that the assault needed to be rescheduled, members of his cult pretty much stopped going into town altogether. They didn't go to their jobs anymore. They were kept pretty much completely isolated from the rest of the world. I join the cult. I don't have to go to work. I mean, doesn't sound half bad, does it? Man, I have to kill some people, but (laughs) I don't have to go to work. But no work. You probably gotta like blow him with some. You got who the leader is, but and don't have a wife. I don't have to go to work. (laughs) Right? Okay. (laughs) It is sad that you're just like, no, I mean, fuck. No word. You said it. But it sounds like they're working all day with their paramilitary yeah, training. Yeah, that's true. Uh, also, death threats were being made to anyone who had left the cult uh, and to individuals of the RDLS and the church back in Missouri. Uh, conveniently, all the death threats, anonymous death, death threats, <laughs> were showing up uh, to anyone who didn't. Completely buy into Lundgren's bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh So everybody. L- <laughs> so not long after this, a second informant came forward with tips about questionable, potentially potentially deadly plans uh, attributed to Jeffrey Lundgren. Uh, local law enforcement shared the information with agents from the U.S. Bureau of Back Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and the FBI. At this point, the FBI initiated a domestic terrorism investigation. Uh, and the Kirtland Police Department began surveillance of Lundgren's residence and of his church-owned property.
1: But Justice T. Jones done not talk to him.
0: Apparently, <laughs> apparently his words weren't enough. Wow. Uh, but so now he is on their radar. Okay. Uh, authorities kept tabs on Lundgren in the cult, and they did like constantly look for any fucking reason to make a move against him. They were mm-hmm. trying this entire time, uh, but they couldn't come up. They didn't get anything, and it was too late. Uh, by the time they did to save the Avery family, so after Lundgren is bought in for brought in for questioning, uh, he then returns to his followers, you know, saying, "Hey, Jesus is busy, guys. Sorry." <laughs> uh, so he said that instead of this, uh, Jesus actually gave him some new directions, though, like the temple thing. Jesus was maybe just a little bit having a bad day that day, bad reception. I misunderstood. Yeah. So what he, what he wants us to do now is go on a wilderness journey. Uh they got to go find like this. He told him something about finding like the uh like the the silver sword or something. I don't know. He was telling them they got to go find some sword. It's in a rock, like one of us will be able yeah. to pull. I'll try first, but only
1: one of us will be able to pull it out. Now
0: they're going to have to go into the woods somewhere, find a sword, and that'll be the sword that they use to fight the devil it, or something. There's not
1: mushrooms involved. I'm not going. <laughs> uh
0: so he told he tells them all, you know, get ready for this journey. Only pack what you need. Uh, before they made this journey, though, Lundgren said that God had spoke to him through a message in the scripture and had told him that 10 members of the cult would need to be sacrificed. Uh, of the 12 members. In- it's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, so he says 10 members would need to be sacrificed. Uh-huh. His cult, uh, aside from him, there's like 12 members.
1: was <laughs> wiped by one. Yeah. So
0: he's, <laughs> so if you're in the room. Yeah. You're one of his followers, and he says 10, and you're just, like, looking around. Right? <laughs> you think a step back. One, two, three, four. Oh, shit. Did I count myself? <laughs> uh, goddamn, my odds are not good. Yep. Uh, so, of the 12 members in Lundgren's But cult, what are you going to do? He talks to Jesus. I mean, it's Jesus coming from God him. himself, yeah. or Jesus, or whoever, whichever one he is. Uh, so, of the 12, all but five of them lived in the farmhouse with Lundgren. Those five being the Avery family. Uh, oh, Lundgren felt that the Avery's were committing a sin by not living in his house. He also felt that by not living in his house, uh, they were not as committed as others in the cult. Uh, ho- however, like Dennis Avery and his family had sold their home in Missouri just so they could move to Ohio. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Avery believed and trusted every fucking thing Lundgren was saying. He had bought in. So Lundgren, however, considered Avery to be weak. Uh, and when he was no longer useful to Lundgren, he began talking about Avery behind his back. Uh, Lundgren would often use Avery as a scapegoat for the for the members, for the uh, church's troubles, uh, even though he was one of its biggest financial contributors. Uh, money was another issue that Lundgren had with Avery because Avery had decided to set apart a very small amount of money for his family's use uh, and open a bank account. Not cool in Lundgren's eyes.
1: Yeah, you're not giving me everything yeah. that you.
0: So he considered this a sin because he wanted all of his followers' money to be given exclusively to him.
1: So after, I mean, money
0: is pretty cool. It is kind of awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not
1: the end all, be all, whatever, but you know, it's but, pretty cool.
0: <laughs> so after some negotiating with God, though, uh, back and forth, Lundgren told everyone that God was totally cool uh, if only five members were sacrificed. So you know, I had to give up some things, but <laughs> I got us down to five. <laughs>
1: We're getting some draft picks in a couple <laughs> years. It's a
0: uh, there was you know some money involved. Depends on how much uh, praying we do. It's going on April sixteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, using I
1: Dennis... could it be you five for the five that don't live here. <laughs> well, do you guys want to die or should someone yeah, else die? So, I mean,
0: you know, I mean, uh, you, you guys, guys, it's fine with me. Five of you stand in front of me, or
1: you know, it's fine with me <laughs> either way. Me and God, we're just like well, whoever five. I
0: ain't gonna nowhere.
1: Yeah. God said definitely not you. You dumb fuckers can't read the (laughs) script. It's either you five
0: or five other people that aren't you. You make the choice. (laughs) It's up to you. So on April 16th, 1989, using Dennis Avery's credit card, uh, Jeffrey Lundgren bought three guns from a nearby gun store.
1: Shit, man. He uses his credit card to buy the guns. That's some fucked up shit.
0: Among the purchases was a forty-five caliber cold handgun. So in preparation for the wilderness journey, Lundgren instructed Cheryl Avery uh, to write a letter to her family outside of the cult to let them know that the family would be going on a wilderness trip in Wyoming. Uh, that So, you know, they're not going to be available. You yeah. don't hear from them, that's why. Uh, so she writes the letter. As far as the Averys are concerned, everything is totally cool.
1: We're going to Wyoming. Fucking party. Yeah. Uh,
0: they withdrew their daughters from school on April 17th, 1989, and they're ready to go to Wyoming. Uh, that same day, they are invited to the farmhouse for a party to celebrate the upcoming trip. Uh, it's a hole digging party. Come on over. Well, the, the hole already been done. Oh, okay. Because unbeknownst to them, uh, preparations for their murders had already been made. Oh, man. As Lundgren had convinced his followers that the Avery family had to be sacrificed, uh, and he did this by promising them salvation from Armageddon. Uh, back on April tenth, nineteen eighty nine, just a week before. Lundgren had ordered two of his followers to dig a pit in the barn. Um, around this time, he had also rented a motel room and had dinner with all the followers, minus the Avery family. He uh, called all of the men into his room. And- a Last Supper, if you will. If you will.
1: If you will.
0: He uh, called all the men into his room and questioned each one as to their purpose in the action. All of the men assured Lundgren that they were with him in this they sacrifice. They're, they're. We'll kill anyone. Yeah.
1: Funny You're not going to kill us, right? <laughs> We get to live, yeah, man. Let's just do that.
0: So, all right, so we're here. We're gonna to get to the killings now. All right, and so just a warning. Uh, do I have to stay? It's up to you, man. Okay, uh, once again, yeah, the kid, it's brutal. So, anyways, uh, fair warning, guys. Okay, so when the Avery's arrived, uh, Jeffrey and his son Damon they go out to the farm with four other members and begin to prepare for the sacrifice. Uh, Lundgren, standing next to a large pit the men had dug several days earlier, produces the forty-five Colt semi-automatic handgun and told the men that the killings are going to take place one by one. Uh, Lund- Lundgren then looked at Ronald Luff. Uh, he had met Ronald two years earlier in Kirtland while walk- working as a tour guide, and he had ended up bringing recruiting him in as a follower. And uh, Lundgren looks at him and says, "Let's do it." So Luff sounds went- like a
1: real dumbass. <laughs>
0: Luff goes, and he finds Dennis Avery and asks him to come out to the barn with him, help move some equipment for the camping trip. Uh, On the way there, like, once they're into the barn, Luff attempts to render Avery unconscious with a stun gun, uh, but the stun gun wouldn't work. So then a... uh, Almost
1: as if that was God's plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, almost like he was trying to step in here. Uh, Then they had, like like, a gun that would shoot, like, a... Rubber bullets, kind of thing. So they shoot one of those. They shoot one of those at Avery, but that fails to like knock him out the way they thought it would. So a couple of the guys grab him. They end up uh, bounding and gagging um, Dennis Avery. Dennis is crying out, This isn't necessary. Please, this isn't necessary. And then Lundgren shoots him twice in the back, uh, kills him. So they dump him in the pit. Uh, Luff goes back out. from the barn, uh, they had covered up the sound of gunfire by just having a chainsaw running. Yeah. So that's another thing. Like, you're brought into this, like, this terrifying fucking... Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a Haunted House, but sure. they always have the guy with the chainsaw. Yeah. And that is, like, that part where you hear that, like, high-pitched-ass chainsaw. Uh-huh. Like, no matter what, you do get a little unnerved about the fact that there's a... So I feel like if you're brought into a situation where you're being bound and gagged and you hear a chainsaw yeah. running... Not a great time.
1: Sometimes I got I to gotta hide the fact that I'm running my chainsaw, so I just shoot a gun a lot. Not about
0: it either. Yeah. <laughs> so but works this, both ways. They
1: took it. <laughs> they works took, both ways, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. They went the other way with it. Uh,
0: so he, uh, Luff goes back out. He gets Cheryl this time. Um, he tells her that, uh, de- uh, that uh, uh, Dennis needs her help or something. Yeah. Like they're out there getting ready, but he needs, he needs her help. So uh, as they step inside... Luff stated that he placed his hand on Cheryl's shoulder and just kind of quietly said, just give it up. It's going to be easier this way. Uh, Cheryl did. She just kind of accepted that this was, like, I'm sure she sees Dennis's body. Yeah. Um, She just kind of accepted that this was going to happen. But she was still, uh, they put duct tape around her eyes, Ah. and then they uh, bound and gagged her. Uh, She was dragged over to Lundgren. Uh, He shoots her three times. Twice in the chest and once in the ab- abdomen. So, then she's in the pit. So, so the Avery children this whole time are inside the house playing video games. They're just fucking chilling. Yeah. Luff goes back in, gets Tina, um, says, hey, we're playing hide-and-seek out here. Ah. So, they take Trina into the barn. She's bound at the wrists. Uh, they go ahead and put her into the pit with her mom and dad. And uh, one... Shot is fired. It grazes her head. Uh, the second shot gets fired right into her skull. She dies instantly. So then, old Luff, this piece of shit, uh, he goes and gets Becky. Uh, they do the same thing. They put her on top of the bodies. Uh, she's shot twice, once in the thigh, once in the chest. She doesn't die instantly. And the members of the cult would later tell police that they listened to Becky's struggle to breathe uh, as Luff left to get the last child. So, just fucking awful human beings here.
1: <laughs> the worst.
0: Doing it for God, though. Yeah. Um, so, last kid is seven-year-old Karen. Uh, she fucking gets on Luff's back for a piggy ride. Piggyback ride to the barn. Oh, my God. Um, once inside, she's bound, lowered into the pit. Uh, she's then shot in the chest and the head. So, Avery family mm-hmm. is dead. Fucking Luff just uh, piggyback ride and hide and seek. Just what a fucking... Do they die soon? So after the executions, the men covered the bodies with lime and filled the hole in with dirt and garbage. Uh, It had to be done, Lundgren said. It was God's will. Uh, The following day, on April 18th, 1989, Kirtland police officers, assisted by FBI agents, arrived at the farmhouse. So they're not there because of the bodies yet. They don't yeah. really, they don't know about them. They're there because they'd gotten some complaints from neighbors about, uh, like, the cult-like activity happening and improper use of firearms. So they search the barn for weapons. They're literally walking on top yeah. of the pit where the bodies are. Um, they ask all the followers, like, are you here on your own free will? You know, they all say yes. Uh, Man,
1: what the fuck are they going to say now?
0: <laughs> Later that day... Uh, Fearing that police would soon return to investigate the Avery killings, Lundgren and his followers hastily hastily leave the home, and begin the journey to a remote campsite in West Virginia. Uh, while in don't West... bring that shit here. While here, Lundgren selects Catherine Johnson to become his second wife, uh, because he's got to follow in the polygamous tradition. Oh. Catherine's husband, Larry, was also a member of the cult. Like, if you're in a cult, but maybe you don't know you're in the cult yet. Yeah, and you're just going about your day, and you're just like, I love Jesus, love him, love him, love him. And then, like, is it when the cult leader says, like, Dale, uh, uh-huh. I like to, uh, you know, you know, your wife, sure, Tina, Tina. I've been looking at Tina. God, <laughs> had, God had got a hold of me. What God say, Dale? And uh, Tina, he wants me to fuck Tina. God wants you to? God said, I need to marry and fuck Tina. I love God. But, yeah. But I love Tina. But God wants me to love Tina. Oh. So, I'm going to take <laughs> Tina now, Dale. Uh-huh. Uh, you got a hand. You got two of them. <laughs> so, you ain't going to miss it. It is for God. And, like, Dale's like, he killed a bunch <laughs> of people. Now, at that point, is that where <laughs> Dale goes... Am I in a goddamn cult? Like, <laughs> I feel like that's got to be yeah. the moment where you're just like, oh. Not the killing the other people. Like, what in the fuck is wife? You're God like, damn it. It happened again. I'm in another goddamn cult. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So he takes Katherine Johnson as the second wife, uh, which is a weird, like, time to take the second wife. Like, you've just murdered five people. Yeah. You're basically on the run at this point, even though you're still trying to say, we're on our wilderness journey. Yeah. No, you're on the run. So you're just, like, in the middle of West Virginia campsite. And, like, at what point was he just like, Catherine's looking real goddamn good. Hell yeah. Uh, so they don't stay in West Virginia for very long. They move back to Independence, Missouri. Good. Uh, yeah. Once they get there, uh, Lundgren and his wife Alice, uh, their younger kids, they have them move in with Alice's parents. Uh, then uh, Al- or Lundgren, Alice, who is his wife, uh, their son Damon, the oldest – His new wife, Catherine, and a guy named Daniel Kraft, they all travel on, go on to California. Uh, so then the tip to the ATF that started our story comes in. Uh, angry with his wife being taken from him by Lundgren- The fucking Dale! Larry Keith Johnson. Oh! He goes to authorities in Kansas City, Missouri, and he tells them all about the Avery murders. Uh-
1: well, still, what a piece of shit. He doesn't tell him after the murders. It's when fucking... Or before. When he takes his... Yeah. yeah. It's after he takes his wife.
0: Yeah. Because like I said, I think he just... Re- God damn another <laughs> one. <laughs> another this one. happened today. This is the fourth time I've been in a cult. Uh, he drew them a map of the barn, uh, like shows them exactly where the bodies are. Kansas City authorities pass this information on to the ATF, uh, who, as stated at the start, informs Kirtland law enforcement about that, and then the bodies are discovered. So, arrest warrants are immediately issued for uh, 13 people altogether. Um, agents with the ATF uh, and local police catch up with Lundgren on January 7th, 1990. Uh, he is with uh, Alice and Damon, his wife and son.
1: What about the second wife? He's already left her? She's,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, police seize an AR-15 rifle, three handguns. An assortment of hunting knives and camping and survival gear in the group's possession at the time of their arrest. Uh gonna go real real quick down through the timeline of events after the arrests start happening. Uh January 10th, 1990, cult members Daniel Kraft and Catherine Johnson are taken into custody in the Cleveland National Forest near San Diego. Uh March seventh, nineteen ninety, cult member R- Richard E. Brand pleads guilty on five accounts of aggravated murder as part of a plea deal. He's sentenced to fifteen years to life in prison. He's the first cult member convicted in connection with the Avery murders. April 10th, 1990, uh, municipal court judge in San Diego orders cult leader Jeffrey Lundgren and his followers, Daniel D. Kraft and Catherine Johnson, extradited to Ohio. April 13th, 1990, uh, Lundgren, Daniel D. Kraft, and Catherine Johnson are process- processed into the Lake County Jail as the last of those charged in the Avery murders.
1: What about the, the guy that gave the piggyback ride?
0: What uh, was his name? We'll get to him. Oh, fuck that guy. Uh... Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, Lake County Prosecutor's Office drops charges against cult members Dennis and Tanya Patrick of conspiracy to commit aggravated murder, complicity to commit aggravated murder, and kidnapping. The reason given is non involvement, uh, though they are later convicted on one count each of obst- obstruction of justice. I'm assuming that's for not. Yeah. Uh, one count each is just being dumbass. Like, I feel like they should still have been tried. Like yeah, they still oh, yeah. knew about it, yeah. So they could have stopped you it. Took him right? out to dinner and stuff. They're accomplices and, yeah. to me, um, maybe not uh, Tanya, because he only called the men into the room. Oh, so that's depending true. on the men, told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, April twenty fifth, nineteen ninety. Cult member Gregory Winship pleads guilty on five counts of complicity to murder as part of a plea deal. Uh, so basically, everyone takes a fucking plea deal here. Um, August first, nineteen ninety. Alice Lundgren is convicted by a jury in Lake County Common Pleas Court of five counts of each, each of conspiracy to commit aggravated murder, complicity to commit aggravated murder and kidnapping. Uh, Susan Luff pleads on five counts of conspiracy, sentenced to seven to 25 years in prison. Jeffrey Lundgren goes on trial in August of 1990 with uh, Prosecutor Steve LaTourette telling the News Herald, we kept waiting for the insanity defense, but it never, come, never came. Uh, NBC News reported that at the trial, Lungern was unrepentant and resolute in his convictions, telling the jury, it's not a figment of my imagination that I can, in fact, talk to God, and I am a prophet of God. I am even more than a prophet. Oh. So he never takes back. Maybe he's a God himself. That does make me, like, I do, and I've brought this up a lot. So a lot of people who are religious, Uh uh, you know, they accept what the Bible says. They accept all these things. Uh, And a part of those stories are always that somebody got a message from God. Uh, I don't know when you decide those stopped happening. Like, I'm 1,000% sure this guy doesn't fucking talk to God because I don't believe in God. (laughs) Yeah. But if I believe in God, and if I'm one of these people, why, like, is it that anytime they see, like, a guy on a street corner... Who says he's talking to God uh-huh. Like he's the crazy guy On the street corner yeah. Like why is it Like anytime Somebody commits a murder And he says he talks to God They back away Like do the messages Just stop Like <laughs> So I just It's always I always wonder Like when do they decide Messages don't happen anymore Like they'll believe in If they happened old Long ago Yeah But not now for- <sighs> But Anyways It's Religion, always Religion man Always just religious bullshit I don't, uh, I
1: don't tip my toes In those waters
0: Me neither uh,
1: dip them. I don't dip them. I don't tip them. I don't dip him. Put my tip in. I don't zip them. Pip them. Uh,
0: so on August 29th, after deliberating for two hours, the jury found Lundgren, Jeffrey Lundgren, guilty. Uh, a few weeks later, he was sentenced to death. Yes. Um, ad- yes. Yes! In addition to Jeffrey Lundgren, his wife, Alice, and son, Damon, are sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Good. As are Ronald Luff and Daniel Ooh, Kraft. That
1: guy should have got the death
0: penalty. He should have. So Daniel Kraft pleads guilty on five counts. He's sentenced to 50 years to life in prison. Ronald Luff, he is sentenced to 170 years to That's life. That's life. That's life. I don't think you're going to make it 170. I hope not. Or actually, I do. I hope he, this miserable <laughs> fuck has to. Like he's probably 30 now. So he'd be
1: like 200 years old. Like, please take me, Lord. And Lord's like, uh-uh.
0: I would guess he's probably dead. Yeah. Um So right, on this was 90. I'm going to say he was let's say 30.
1: Yeah. So he's like hopefully he wasn't treated well in prison yeah. for killing kids.
0: Uh Catherine Johnson, she's released from prison on August 23rd, 1991, so she didn't do much time at all. Uh August or October 24th, 2006, uh with the 6th Circuit Court of Appeals having dismissed the last of his appeals. Jeffrey Lundgren is executed by lethal injection at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility. Oh, Uh, shame the God couldn't help him there. Yeah, Uh, he's like, you got
1: one last phone call. He's like, I already talked to God.
0: He actually, I guess they said that um, because the prosecutor on the case, Uh uh, this was the first time he's ever actually went to the execution of somebody that he he put there. Yeah, uh, because like they don't. They're always invited, but they don't have to attend. Yeah. And he made damn sure he was at this one. And up until basically the needles go in, Jeffrey Longgren was so convinced that he was going to receive that phone call saying, "Oh, from the governor." Yeah, that he apparently like slept most of the day oh. because he was just like, "It's not my last day. I'm good." Ah, oh. yeah. So he was so convinced. So good. The guy, <laughs> the prosecutor, was said that it was like the just he was felt like it was like something came over and whenever he saw the ejection go in he was like you like you know fuck you basically basically just like yeah you earned this one man uh march 29th 2010 richard brand is paroled after spending 19 years and 50 days in prison december 30th 2010 gregory winship is paroled after spending 19 years and 10 months in prison january 4th 2011 uh, Sharon J. Blunchley, paroled after spending 19 years, 11 months in prison. Uh, Deborah Olivares, paroled after spending 19 years, 6 months in prison. January 11th, 2011, Susan Luff, paroled after spending 19 years, 11 months in prison. I think still in prison um, are Daniel Kraft, who's up for parole next year. No. Uh, Ronald Love, Luff, his parole, he's eligible for parole in 2048. Oh, so if I'm still around in 15 years, uh, 25, 25 years, years, I'm really gonna hope that that is he's already dead by then, yeah, or is denied. Uh, Alice Lundgren, she's uh, eligible for pro in 2092. Wow. And Damon Lundgren is eligible in 2098. Damn. So what a life
1: for Damon. I mean, just be born into that and then. It, brainwashed. It I mean is, he still did yeah. it, you know, so whatever, but I But mean, he really what, had, no he's had no chance. He had no chance at all.
0: Because I mean, if you're a thirty year old and you can be pulled into a cult, yeah, like yeah, you if, you if you're born your into it. Dad
1: and mom and-
0: yeah. So again, like just of course it's some asshole who thinks he can talk to God. Yeah. And it always is. It always leads to the same shit. It takes a wife. Has to kill somebody. Has to have power over yeah.
1: people. Has to have just the violence and
0: everything.
1: That's not that, to me. That's not God, man. Yeah.
0: If that in a, yeah. And I, if that is I, how I, the hell I is got it? a hippie
1: God, you know, what I mean, <laughs> right. You're just like, hey, man, you just love everybody. Or yeah. These fucking which, I'm Pretty sure it's
0: supposed to be what the Christian God
1: is. Yeah. Like my religious, I used to go to like uh, uh, summer Bible camp and stuff. And I literally, I remember the moment, like, learning about the golden rule. And I was like, all right, that's all I got to know. Like, eight-year-old me was like, do on the other, you yeah, have done on to you." Like, okay.
0: Seems pretty simple. I was like,
1: I've I learned it all now. And I, I kind of tuned the rest out.
0: Yeah. I, I went to church three times as a kid. And then I was, like, told my mom, like, I think I'm good. Yeah. I don't. I went so much as a kid. Yeah, I went three times. I went, I used to want to be – like, I remember, like, being
1: Ted, like, thinking I wanted to be a preacher. And just, oh, really? Yeah, I
0: just – Like okay. you said, though, like, between – yeah, the goal – you know, do one to others, whatever. Yeah. And then, like, once you're in preschool and kindergarten and you get the whole, you know, treat others how you want to be treated, yeah. and if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> that was basically what I needed. And I was like, oh, yeah, this human thing, sure. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Don't kill people, Okay. <laughs> And I then can try. somehow that's Unless been God talks to me. That's somehow been so hard for so many people through <laughs> yeah. life, though. Like, it's... my dumb little preschool brain was like, Got it. Stay in your lane. Yeah. <laughs> Easy peasy. Yep. That's how I talked.
1: <laughs> I talked like this as a kid. I like
0: that voice. <laughs> Do you? I did a lot.
1: And <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I know what you're
0: saying. <laughs> oh, Stone Cold says what? Uh, <laughs> all right. Well,. I think that's all for this episode. I'm sad now. I yeah. had I've I've had to read that part about the kids of my like the fucking piggyback ride.
1: That's, why
0: like fucking I, kills me.
1: Like I understand people do it. And then they just talk about it. And then a like yeah, I gave her piggyback ride. Yeah. Like what the fuck, man. Like, like I. Like, like is he trying to make himself look better? Like oh well before you know I took her out the. Get killed with a fun little piggyback ride. Like, I'm not such a bad guy. I think if
0: I was a cop then, and like, because I don't know what point they found out that he did that. Like, I don't, you know. But like, as soon as you know, I would have like the guards, like, I would just put out a pamphlet with that quote Uh and his picture. Yeah. And then pass it to all of, and then like, put what he, like, what happened. Yeah. And then just pass it to all the other inmates. Make sure like they all got a copy of that flyer. And then. Have fun. Have fun, Dennis. Yeah. Or uh, not D-S, Dennis. Whatever the fuck your are Whatever your Luff is. name is. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Well, hope you guys got- <laughs> are... Yay. Hope you enjoyed that. Yay. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> uh, probably next week. Yeah. But uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out uh, Ronnie Crawdad- Ronnie Crawdad on Rooster Crow Radio. Uh, check out Cosmic Whiskey Hour. We'll have new episodes of those Crawdad will definitely be out soon. Who knows yeah. when Cosmic Whiskey wrote? Crawdad,
1: he's, he's
0: on. He's right around the corner.
1: Yep, yeah, he's always on
0: schedule. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do our the Facebook stuff. Like our posts. Like our channel. Whatever Share, we do. comment. Yeah, do all that stuff. I keep saying it, and I think you guys just think I'm joking. I fucking mean it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it.
1: God talk to him. Fucking and do God it. God wants you guys to yeah. do that stuff. yeah. God said, hey. <laughs>
0: What I really want in life, for all of you, is to listen to Middle aged mediocre. Yeah, mediocre. That's about it. That's all I really want.
1: Tell them the beef inspector. So I don't think so. that's
0: much to ask. No, like, that's
1: all God wants, guys. That's all God wants. That's not a lot to ask. What if he was one of us? What if? Just a stranger on a bus.
0: All right, we got to go. All right. Bye.
1: <laughs>